it is remarkable the, the bush on fire that's not consumed. And there's puzzlement. And then, if we look at the length of this tale and of salvation history as well, to encounter God is to find out ourselves who we are to be and to learn to become that. God is wholly transcendent, utterly other, and yet concerned about us and concerned about our needs. And so concerned about the slavery of his people in our first reading, he comes down then to rescue them, to send them Moses, to help make that happen before Pharaoh. And then to have them be led by Moses to a good and spacious and spacious land. Moses is called by God to lead them out. He, uh, he's called God's name, so when he appears before Pharaoh, he's able to tell who he's representing and to tell them that God loves them and cares for them, which is precisely what's underway. That's God's plan in salvation history. And as God was with Abraham, God is with Moses, and as God was with Moses, God is in Christ for us even now. He comes to us to give us help. In, our, in the gospel, Christ dissuades us from misunderstanding God. I think you hear that happen all the time. People will act as if they know. It's sort of like people writing horoscopes, astrologers. They know the shape of the future. They can guide gullible people. Do you know gullible is, not on, the, is on the ceiling? Did you see that? Do you know gullible is it in the dictionary? Don't look it up to check. But we can easily be taken in and we're easily led by the nose and people don't appreciate that. The dangers of horoscopes, so people throw overboard their freedom, they throw overboard their responsibility to figure out the world and to seek the truth and they're led by the nose by demagogues, easily. All those words are important. The adverb, the nouns, the things, the stuff, the events, the trouble. And slough off the responsibility for finding the truth and then living responsibly with it, living responsibly in that way. So Christ says, no, don't, don't misrepresent God. So for instance, he mentions the tower that fell and so on. Do you think God gave that, did that to them because they were evil? And he said, in no way, in no way. But he uses it as a reminder, as a warning, as a fire bell in the night to tell people to get on the program, get on track, which is precisely our message at Lent, isn't it? to take all the things, all the age we've been given, and to live by them. The first matter is the uh, brevity of life. It's very funny that the one thing that's empirical, that we're all gonna die, you can just see that empirically. If you haven't, if you haven't got, figured that out inductively yet, just keep, keep looking, is the one thing we never pay attention to. We never take thought of or include in our, in our planning. And yet it's so sure. I remember once graduation, uh, they were coming up, they, they were being led by bagpipes uh, from Elliott House into the yard to Memorial Church for the service, and then they would go and line the path for the president, fellows, overseers, honorands, faculty, chaplain, everybody to walk between them. And on the way there, I saw Elliott House pass by with its marvelous uh, faculty dean, the, one of the best Dante scholars in the world. And they went along and I saw and waved to every single person. That was in that day, the beginning of June. 
Before the end of June, we were in Elliott Yard. That's the yard you, when you come over the bridge and turn, you look into that yard, that marvelous quad. We were there for the death of one of those people for memorial service for a senior newly minted. He was in New York, staying in a friend's place with his family. They were crowded in, it was hot, the windows were open. His bed was by the window. They were on a high floor and, and out the window he went. And that was the end of him. Death can come so quickly, although we don't take account. Not so much to talk about death, but the brevity of life and therefore to make it count and make it work and know what it's for and understand its purpose. You know the old saying, there are two dates that are important for each of us. The day we were born, and then the day we figured out what we were born for. And don't you think that's what our Lord is speaking to today? What were we born for? What should we do? Who are we to become? Who are we to become and then what should we do? The chance of making a difference with our lives rather than backing into them and letting them just be blah, and being led by the nose by other people or by greedily reading a horoscope to no purpose to be a patsy. How important to leave, lead it in the way of the good Lord's will and all the virtues that God suggests. You know, the, uh, the grad students, we have, uh, we have a gathering every first Thursday of the month, the first Thursday, just one of the, a month. And we have them at seven, we have a gathering over here. Beforehand, we have Benediction at six. Now this month in Lent, we have four more Thursdays and so we've had faculty speak to us. And uh, they spoke to us about their own uh, journey as Catholics. And we had, uh, we had, unless you think I'm making it up, I want to give you concrete examples. May I do that? There's a marvelous faculty member, a famous astronomer, astrophysicist, and a convert. And I won't point her out here, uh, but Professor Oberg uh, came and spoke marvelously here on the second Thursday of the month about the journey of her own life. It was a marvelous thing and great education for each of us to think by example of her how we could live just as we do when we look at Augustine and Ambrose and Catherine and Teresa and think of what they teach us about prayer or finally coming on beam and living a full life. Uh, she taught us and Greg Tusi, the head of education in chemistry at Harvard, uh, he was here this past Thursday. Jim Kloppenberg, a notable American historian, will be here this coming Thursday at 7. And then Daniel Lovetsky over at Beth Israel and Harvard Medical School, young physician, she'll be here then to share each of them, her life, his life, with us. They're having been captured by the good Lord's love. And rather than remaining inert or empty, taking that on board and learning to open to God's grace and live life fully, to make a difference. And as the last example speaks our Lord's parable of the fig tree, to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last, not to live in clothes simply for ourselves, but for God and for others. The law that Christ gives us, which encapsulates all else, should always be on our radar screen, should always be on top of our agenda sheet, to love God and to love others. Unless you love someone, nothing makes sense. Without God's love and without the love of others, things very often do not. But with God's Christ's warning today, we're given a marvelous heads up. It's a gentle thing. He wants us to remember how good God is. Don't think, don't say all these horrible things about why those things fell on them, but rather use it as a fruitful example for ourselves. Psalm 103, what was our responsorial psalm today? The Lord is kind and merciful. The Lord is kind and merciful. 
He pardons all your iniquities, heals all your ills. He redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with kindness and compassion. What luck ours to have the love, to be in love with such a God and to have God's love and to be loving to everyone else and to know their love supporting our lives as well. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.